Praise the Lord. That was a hand clap for me. But would you clap your hands for the Lord Jesus Christ? <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory. Hallelujah. What a privilege and an honor to be here in the presence of the Lord and in the presence of God's people. It is uh, certainly my honor to be in the presence of, uh, he said it right, my brother from another mother. Uh, Jeff Jakes, we have become great friends and brothers, and I so appreciate him and his wonderful wife, Katie. Come on, just bless him. Clap your hands for them as well. Hallelujah. Man, it was, it was so good to see uh, Jack up there singing, and, and he reminded me that he used to work at Meineke, um, he used to manage the mine. He used to take care of all of our vehicles. And I said, man, Orangewood must have been real desperate. They had to go to Monikin. <laughs> they go get a worship leader. Uh, but good to see you, Jack. Blessings to you. And uh, we are, are certainly grateful for all of the family here at Orangewood. And I'm so grateful to have a great portion of the Father's house uh, with us on today. And, and I'm certainly grateful Uh, to have the loveliest lady in the land, my wife, April, who was up there singing. I appreciate her. And for my family, my family being here as well. Well, let me pray before we get into the message um, uh, to invoke, for me at least, the the, the peace and the presence of the Lord uh, upon us. Father, I pray as the psalmist prayed. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Father, I pray today that those that have an ear, let them hear what the spirit is going to say unto the church. My prayer, God, is that they won't be hearers only, but doers of your word. Because your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Cleanse us today with the washing of water by your word. For your word is truth, as Jesus said. And the words you speak to us are spirit and they are life. It is in Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Today I want to talk to you about colored people. Now I started to title this message, Crimson Tide to offend all the Gator fans in here. (laughs) But I decided to call it colored people and just offend everybody. (laughs) Uh, But if you hang on just a little while longer, you will see where I believe the and why the Holy Spirit uh, unctioned me to go this direction. I don't know if the, um, the scripture text is, uh, is printed, but if not, uh, go to Philippians, the third chapter, uh, the fourth through the eighth verse. Philippians 3, 4 through 8. And it reads... And I'll be reading from the New American Standard. It says, although I myself have confidence even in the flesh, if anyone else has a mind to put confidence in the flesh, I far more. Circumcised the eighth day of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, 
as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, and as to righteousness, which is in the law, found blameless. But whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish so that I may gain Christ. And if I can read the golden text of uh, today, I think it's printed on your bulletin and it's found in 1 Peter 1 and 2 and it says, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, by the sanctifying work of the Spirit to obey Jesus Christ, and be sprinkled with his blood. May grace and peace be yours in the fullest measure. Uh, Today I want to declare to you that victory is for colored people. Victory is for colored people. Now I know you're going to remember this message because the, 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 the title, those words put together, colored people. It, it, it kind of talks about uh, or reminds us of a days gone past that was a little dark for our nation. But before I go there, I want to um, uh, just quote uh, a, a, some words from Dr. Martin Luther King. In the Orlando Sentinel of the day, it quotes Martin Luther King as saying, that Sunday services are the most segregated hour of Christian America. Has the church, in the title of this um, article in in Orlando Sentinel, is has church segregation really changed since Martin Luther King? And uh, I believe if Dr. King was here today, he might be a little proud of us to see Uh, Folks from all over the place and from different ethnicities and cultures working and worshiping together. Amen. Praise the Lord for that. But the word that that whole term colored, the etymology of that is in 1611, it was it was a term coined for non white skinned people. Uh, And it was applied to all black people. And then in the 60s, we went from colored to being Negro. And in the 70s, uh, with the advent of the Jackson 5 and the Commodores and Earth, Wind and Fire with those big old Afros, we became Afro-American. And then in the 80s, we, uh, we became black. And then 90s, it became African-American. And to this day, you know, it's amazing because, you know, a lot of my white brothers and friends, they don't even know how to dress us no more because <laughs> I don't know, do I say black or do I say African-American or what do I say? And then, so I, I like to make fun with people and I just ask the question. I say, well, what if a white person from Johannesburg, South Africa, migrated to America and became an American citizen, would they not be an African-American? <laughs> and this is my reaction. Um, um, I've heard no, and I've heard yes, and I say, well, because we have all these titles, and it just seems to be uh, disparaging uh, at the very least, and so uh, I like to talk about another color today, a different color. In Paul's letter to the Philippians, 
as we kind of give you a little backdrop. This was an epistle written from a prison in Rome. So Paul is not in a um, comfortable surrounding and a comfortable setting as he's writing this letter uh, to the people of Philippi. Of course, the city was named after Philip of Macedonia, of Macedon rather, the father of Alexander the Great, uh, for all you history buffs. Uh, And it was a principal stop on the great highway. Traders going east and west would come there Um, And this was very strategic for the spread of the gospel. So to get a very powerful letter about the Lord Jesus Christ to the city would be very strategic for those wayfaring people who would come from the east to the west. And it was a good means of spreading the gospel. So this letter was very strategic uh, for the Apostle Paul to write to this very city. Now, the major theme, what I love about the letter to the Philippians is that it speaks of the all-sufficiency of Christ in any circumstance. That Christ is everything, good or bad. And I, and I love um, what the Apostle Paul teaches here because no matter what we go through, no matter what circumstance we find ourselves in, God is in control. And I had to repent um, uh, myself on the uh, our uh, watch night service, um, we we have what we call watch night service, and I just you know I grew up in the church. My father was a pastor, and I just assume everybody that was spiritual and loved the Lord was in church on New Year's Eve. <laughs> and that's what my assumption was because growing up in the church, New Year's Eve around ten o'clock we was in church December thirty first while everybody watching the ball over there and. In Times Square, we praising God in the church and come to find out later on that the history behind the watch night service was because Abraham Lincoln had signed the Emancipation Proclamation and what began January 1st, people, uh, people, black people from all over who heard about it and knew it, they watched in the night waiting for midnight to come because they knew then that the nation would recognize their freedom. And so, uh, but it became tradition that um, the uh, churches in the black community would um, worship on watch night service. But I didn't even know that. So uh, my reason was very spiritual. So I just, <laughs> I, I, I just assume we just keep on doing it. So we uh, um, met December 31st, a few weeks ago. And uh, I remember saying, you know, I'm so glad 2009 is behind us and 2010 is before us and grateful. Thank God. Hallelujah. Because 2009 was a was uh, my worst year yet. Man, it was a very tough year. And, and I remember saying those words and and I had to repent because when I read in the book of Ephesians where the Bible says he has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That lets me know that every day and every year is a blessed year and it has nothing to do with our circumstances. And so no matter what happens, God is to get glory. He is to be glorified in and through all situations. Amen. Now, listen, Paul urged here, getting back to our text, Paul urged to the Philippians to persevere. Hang in there because God is in control. God is in control. Where was God in 9-11? Presiding over the affairs of the world as he always been. 
Where was God on 9-11? He made sure that the buildings didn't fall over, but that they fell down. You'll catch that going the way home. Because if the buildings had fell over, all of Manhattan would have been destroyed. Where was God when the, uh, the shuttle uh, came and, 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 and it broke into pieces as it was entering in over Texas? With every piece falling to the ground, not one piece fell on top of a person. God knows how to, 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 to get in situations when we can't even see him. Where is God the other day? God was right there in Haiti. He is right there even now. God is there. He is in control. And I have no doubt that God is in control. I don't know if you doubt, but I have no doubt that God is in control. And I believe God wants to use this circumstance to bring forth his kingdom in a greater way in the country of Haiti. I found out today, CNN reports that uh, there's a memorandum of understanding that have been uh, agreed to by the president of Haiti and the president of the United States or the government of the United States that the United States would take control over Haiti until further notice. So what if Haiti becomes like Puerto Rico or Guam or the Virgin Islands? How many of us would protest or how many of us would welcome it? Jesus said if you... Uh, you do anything to the least of these, you've done it unto me. Well, I'll let you grapple with that. That wasn't part of the message, so I'm not going to mess with you. <laughs> In Philippians 3, well, let me just say this too. I, um, before I get there, I've um, I just been thinking about this, and, and um, I know somebody on the inside that has the ears to one of our mayors, and, and I sent a little message there, and I said, what if the mayors of our um, community sent out a clarion call to the church here in Central Florida. Because I don't know if you know about it, um, 45,000 Haitian evacuees are coming to Florida. And five or 6,000 of them uh, are supposed to come to Orlando. And now the, there was an emergency meeting of the leadership here in Central Florida to grapple with that the other day. And, um, and then, of course, housing is an issue, health care, and all of these things. And I, I just pray, and I, and I know people who love Jesus ain't thinking about, well, what is it going to do to our economy? Well, I'm going to let you grapple with that one, too. So. <laughs> but, you know, she wrote back and said that I'm going to let the mayor know that's a great idea. Who knows what's going to happen? But I believe this is a perfect time for the church of Jesus Christ to step forward. But as we deal with the text in verse 4, um, Paul affirms his ability to boast about his privileged status. Paul affirms his ability to boast about his privileged status. In verse 5, Paul affirms his rich heritage and his religious credentials. He said, I'm an Israelite. You know, and basically what he's saying, I'm, we, we, I'm God's chosen. That, that, that talk about the, the better dance. In other words, if we was to uh, kind of talk about that today, it would be like, we're American. You know, we got it going on. You know, we, we're not European. You know, I'm not Caribbean. Uh, we are American. That's supposed to mean something. And then he said, I'm a Benjamite. Benjamite. What, who are the Benjamites? Um, they were ravenous people. They, and, and Benjamin was the favorite son of Joseph. So they were a favorite tribe. It was the tribe where the temple stood. Um, it was the tribe where the first king of Israel 
came from. So there was this pride in the tribe of Benjamin. Um, and then he said, I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. You know what that means? Both of my parents were Hebrews. In other words, I'm not half mixed. I'm not a half breed. What he was saying is that uh, I'm not of mixed blood. I'm pure Israelite. I'm, I'm, I'm pure American. I, I, I'm pure white. I, I, I'm pure black. I'm pure Hispanic. A Pharisee. You know that word Pharisee means separated ones. It's exclusive. It, it is when you were Pharisee, you have arrived. You, you've gotten status. You were, you, you were considered to be religious. These are the folk who take pride in the fact that they are Presbyterians. Uh, these are the folk who take pride in, in the fact that they are Baptists. And No, well, well see, we're more spiritual than y'all. We're Pentecostal. Glory to God. Uh, we... We're filled with the Spirit of God. We're, we're Lutherans. We, we, well, you know what? We ain't caught up in the demonition because we're non-denomination. Because a bunch of demons is in denomination. All you have to do is flip the words back and you'll, you'll get it. Flip the legs. And so people take pride in all these titles. Non-such titles that we find in the word of God, none such titles shall we find when we get to heaven. That was a good place for amen right there. <laughs> Verse 6, Paul affirms his faith. Zealous, faithful, loyal, blameless. I'm real spiritual, real righteous. I'm a real Christian. I'm, I follow the law blameless. I'm, by man's standard, you know, I'm very right, faultless, irreproachable. You, you have to be real spiritual to come hang out with me. Verse 7, Paul affirms the damage and detriment his resume is in light of Christ. All these things don't mean nothing. Remember now, he's writing from prison. With the looming threat of martyrdom. See, we, we got this nice Christianity today. Nice Christianity. We come to church once a week. Okay, we stay in service an hour and a half. <laughs> making sure that the preacher don't go over. Hmm. But, but can watch a football for three hours, football game. And can watch a movie in 3D for three hours. And can do all this stuff for three hours, but where the body of Christ meet, we have to go into long hair, pastor. Because this is playoff weekend. And got to make sure now, I don't want to have to watch a recording of the game. I want to watch it live. And then we get excited and we'll jump up and down. As soon as somebody want to jump up and down in church, oh. 
That didn't cost you nothing. I just wanted to mess with your head on that one. That's, 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 um. But Paul is writing this letter with the looming threat of martyrdom that these people were dying for the cause of Christ. He's living his theology, not just speaking about it. Now as we get to verse 8, Paul affirms his need for Christ to the exclusion of everything else. Paul is letting us know that everything, everything that I just told you about, my, my, reli- my religion, my, my ethnicity, my race, everything, my education, my, my status, the, the thing that every man thinks that is important to them, these things I count as lost. That I might know Christ. He said to excel in knowing Christ. Success is knowing Christ. I don't care what you've done or what you're doing in life. If you don't know Jesus, you don't have nothing at all. Let me tell you something. This is one for all the religious folk. There's a story about two men young and old, a young man and an old man um, quoting the, song, uh, the 23rd Psalms. And the young man went first. And, you know, he is seminary educated and he has been given the privilege of academia. And he knows how to speak with good diction. And he knows the Hebrew and the Greek and the Aramaic and all them other ones. And so he stands to the podium and he quotes the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. And he keeps on until he gets to the very end. And the result that he gets is a thunderous applause. Everybody's standing on their feet because he said it right, man. He, boy, he knew, how to, he knew how to quote the Psalms. So this old man, the old preacher gets up. He didn't go to seminary or college. He could have, probably would have if he had the opportunity because it's great to get that formal education. But he gets up there, walks a little slow, and he starts out. The Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want makes me to lie down in green pastures and he goes on until he finishes but he gets a different result nobody stands up nobody is applauding but there is not a dry eye in the place because see the young man quoted the psalm because he knew the word the old man quoted the psalm Because he knew the shepherd. And when you know the shepherd, when you are in relationship with the shepherd, you may not know how to preach like Pastor Jake's preaches. You may not be able to communicate like the elders. And you may not be able to do those things. But when you know the shepherd, You can utter just some words when you need them and say, help, Lord. When you know 
the shepherd. He hears and he sees and he knows. And there's so many people in church that got a relationship with their church. And they got a relationship with where they worshiping. And we take pride. Oh, I go to Orangewood. And I go to the Father's house. I go to First Baptist. And I go to First Prayers. And I go to Northland. Or I go here and I go there. And, and I say, well, I'm real spiritual. I don't go nowhere. I just, you know, I watch God on the internet. And whoever... <laughs> Whatever you are and whoever you are, the reality of it is, the question is, is not if you are a member of our churches, but do you know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior? Do you know the Lord? And so Paul here is trying to get this message to folk. You see, y'all think y'all can boast. Let me give you my resume. Y'all ain't got nothing on me. Let me tell you something. I, I, I learned at the feet of Gamaliel. I, I, I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. I'm not a half-breed. Listen, I'm of the tribe of Benjamin. We will cut you down if we have to. We's a bad tribe. Don't mess with me. I'm, listen, y'all, y'all, can't, y'all can't mess with me. I'm of the Pharisees. And listen, but all those things that y'all think is so important, it means nothing. In light of Christ. Wow. Paul was willing to receive injury to himself. He said, I suffer loss. I suffered all loss. My heritage, my ethnicity, my credentials, my education, my status. Notice what he, he, he diminishes it to. Listen, I got my degrees. I got great status. I served at the pleasure of the Sanhedrin when they needed to stone folk. I I was there to consent to their death, to report back to them. In fact, Paul testifies in the book of Acts that he was there when a young martyr named Stephen was stoned. And he consented to his death, throwing his clothes at the feet of this young man named Saul. But he said, I count them. I count all that rub-ish. Poo, poo. <laughs> now, if you come from where I grew up, doo-doo. <laughs> garbage. It's all garbage. You know that word also means leftovers fitting for a dog. Meaning it's not, a, it's not even worthy to touch or even to look back at. It means nothing. Acquire these things if you must. Go to school. Get your education. Go to seminary. Go there. But let it contribute to a rich relationship in Christ not to get any kind of status in this world. When I think about the heritage I think about the first man, Adam. And if you didn't notice, Adam, the name Adam has two Hebrew pronunciations. And they're closely related. Adam and Adam. Adam, Adam means man or mankind. Adam, same spelling, A-D-A-M, it means redness. Or red man or ruddiness. It also means to show blood in the face. 
Wow. So it stands the reason then that the first man was perhaps red in color. Kind of much like the American Indian. Now I did a little homework. You know, Presbyterians have to make sure you know what you're talking about, so I did my homework. <laughs> and I called a brother of mine who's been in Af- uh, Iraq on a few different tours. And it is said, um, geologists and some theologians, we, we, nobody knows for sure, but somewhere in the region of Iraq is possibly, probable, where the Garden of Eden was. Simply because we have the uh, Tigris and the Euphrates River. And if you go back to Genesis, you'll find that there were four rivers that uh, uh, encapsulated the, uh, the garden. And two of the rivers we can't really find anymore. But those, those other two rivers, Tigris and Euphrates, they're still around. And they happen to be in the region where we call Iraq or the uh, biblical term Babylon. Hey, how am I doing, all you seminary? Am I doing good? All right. Okay, and I asked this brother, I said, when you was in Iraq, I, just, I, just, I called him late last night, I said, I just have a simple question for you, I'm excusing if I'm waking you up. He said, no, no problem. I said, can you tell me what the color of the soil was in Iraq? And he had to think a little bit, and he said, he, and, he, and as he was talking, he said it was a little reddish. He said there was dust storms at night, and those dust storms, it made the cloud, the, the, the sky a little red or orange. Like, I said, okay, I'm, 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 I think I'm on to something here. And then I did some research on the geology of Iraq, and it tells me that the soil, based on this report, now you can't trust everything on the internet, but I thought it was a pretty good site to go to. So if these people were right, the soil there, reddish brown, and I'm saying I'm getting somewhere here. If the biblical uh, term or name or definition of Adam is the Hebrew word Adam, which is A-D-A-M, the same way we spell it in English. It means mankind, but the etymology of that word comes from uh, the the word Adam, which means redness or red man. Are y'all with me? And so I, I, I thought about that, and I'm saying, God, you, 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 you're kind of impacting my heart here with something. It stands to reason. I'm not saying this is truth. But it's highly probable that the skin complexion of the first man, Adam, based on the term of his name, comes from the the color of the soil, which was red in color. Therefore, if that is the case, then the first man had a tint of redness to him. Now, if you're real spiritual, you ought to know where I'm going. Remember, I told you that the title of this message is Colored Man. So now, let me bring it home and preach like y'all been waiting for me to preach. <laughs> oh, but Bible says in Exodus 24 and 8, in Exodus 24 and 8, as Moses began to prepare the people for what God was doing, uh, uh, Exodus 24, let me just uh, start with the sixth verse. It says, and Moses took half of the blood, put it in basins, and half of the blood he sprinkled on the altar. And he took the book of the covenant and read it in the audience of the people. And they said, all that the Lord has said, we will do and we will be obedient. 
after they said it, the Bible says that Moses took the blood and sprinkled it on the people and said, Behold, the blood of the covenant which the Lord hath made with you concerning all these words. Then under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Peter, the apostle Peter, in the first chapter and the second verse of 1 Peter, he says, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, by the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to obey Jesus Christ, watch this, and be sprinkled with his blood, may grace and peace be yours in the fullest measure. So let me say it this way. I don't care if you're white. I don't care if you're black. You still need to become red. Because if you get sprinkled with the blood of Jesus, when the blood comes upon you, you will become a red man. And I'd rather be washed in the blood. When I'm washed in the blood, whether you're white or black, you become colored. And you're colored in the blood. So yes, this message is about colored people. But it ain't talking about being black, baby. It's talking about be colored in the blood of Jesus hallelujah God is looking for he's looking for he's looking for he's looking for he's looking for colored people he's looking for some colored people how many colored people we got in the play now I know might be a little uncomfortable for you white folks to say Uh, but Jesus sprinkled us with his blood and those who are will be colored with his blood and our heritage and our ethnicity mean nothing. White men need to become red. Black men, you need to change your color and become red. Jewish, Arab, Hispanic, Asian, European, we all need to become red. Let us seek to be colored by the cleansing power of the blood of Jesus. And when you get covered with the blood of Jesus... When you get colored with the blood of Jesus, marriages will be restored. Families will be restored. You, you want some counseling? See, a lot of folks go to counseling. And thank God for counseling. I've had to counsel many people. Let me tell you what the greatest counseling that you can get. If you really want some serious counseling, just get sprinkled with some blood. Because when the Lord changes your heart, then men know how to love their wife as Christ loved the church. And then wives will know how to love and submit to their husbands and children will know how to obey their parents. Get sprinkled with the blood. When Jesus Christ becomes real to you, he changes everything in your life. He changes everything. No wonder it is said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. Hallelujah. When the blood of Jesus, when you're sprinkled with the blood and you become colored and become, it's amazing to me that if Adam was a red man, now you got to understand that the second Adam came along and to some degree it was to restore and bring back to every believer that which we had in Christ and in Adam before he sinned. So if Adam was a red man, then Christ said, I need to come and get everybody red again. And so, listen, if everybody get covered with the blood, if everybody let me sprinkle them with the blood, they'll become colored people. 
And their color, their color is not black, it's not white, it's red. And so I give you Jesus. When you are washed in the blood, you can have love for your neighbor. You can have, we can have a recession-free nation. We, most of all, though, we got peace with God and we have the peace of God and we have eternal life. The Bible says for us to love our neighbors as ourselves. And the Greek word for neighbor means whoever's in close proximity of you at any given point in time. So everybody you come in contact with becomes your neighbor. Haiti is Florida's and America's neighbor. Let me tell you something. President Obama, Congress, federal government, state government, you got to get this right. How we treat these folk, how we treat the nation of Haiti now can be the determining factor on whether we stay or come out of recession. Because now God has forced something on us. It's time we not think about who we are and, 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 and how we're going through. Christians don't think about us, do we? Okay, y'all looking at me funny. Let me give you a Bible. Esteem others higher than you do yourself. Don't look at your needs, but look at the needs of others. Listen, listen, we have to get this one right. We have to get this one right. They turn the borders down, bring the people in, let us serve them. You know what? If I had my way, I I wish they flew me to the White House right now. And I say, President Obama, why don't you bring Haiti in like we did Puerto Rico? Bring them in like we did Guam. Bring them in like we did the Virgin Islands. And let's turn this country upside down and bring in the church of Jesus Christ. And let us turn this nation upside down and let us bring forth the kingdom of God in the country of Haiti. Oh no, what, what's going to happen? Like, they, they, they might bring voodoo. They, I don't know if y'all knew this. Voodoo ain't just in Haiti now. <laughs> There's some crazy stuff going on here in America. And don't think we're more righteous than they. All you got to do is read Luke, the 13th chapter, Jesus said in the first five verses. Don't think now because the Tower of Siloam fell on these 13 people that they are more worse off or more evil than the folks in Jerusalem. He said, except you repent, then you will likewise perish. Am I in the book, somebody? And the word of God said, don't think because earthquake came to Haiti. Or because uh, Katrina hit New Orleans, don't think Orlando is more righteous than New Orleans. Let us not think that America is more righteous than Haiti. Because if we don't repent, if we don't get it right, then our kingdom will crumble as well. And we can see the crumbling now because the Bible says righteousness exalts a nation. But sin is a reproach to any people. And when we get away from the things of God, then we are signing a death warrant for this nation. Let's get back to the cross. Let's all become colored in his blood. Let me just finish by reading this poem. It says, his blood is so sufficient. He tells us in his word on the mercy seat in heaven, it was put there by our Lord. It stops the accuser of the brethren as he walks before the throne, our God. 
before the throne, brethren, and our God just points to the blood and Satan knows he cares for his own. It's sufficient for any situation to nourish, to cleanse and keep. Oh, magnify your name, my Lord, my soul with rapture leaps. Can my sins, though oh so many, make this blood of no avail? Once I've named the name of Jesus in my heart, I cannot fail. His word has proclaimed it. The work begun in me will someday be completed when his dear face I see. And when I dwell in heaven as the ages roll along, oh, that precious blood of Jesus will be my victory song. Wash me was the anguished prayer of King David. Wash was the message of John the Baptist. Unless I wash you, you have no part with me, said the towel draped Jesus to Peter. Without our being washed clean, we all die from the contamination of sin. So for God's sake, wash, wash. But it's not with Dove. It's not with Irish Spring. It's not with your favorite soap. Take a bath in the blood of Jesus. And when you bathe in the blood of Jesus, he'll deliver you from pornography. He'll deliver you from sin sickness. He'll deliver you from stealing. He'll deliver you from lying. He'll deliver you from being unfaithful to your spouse. He'll deliver you from cheating on your taxes. He'll deliver you from all things. When you wash in the blood, you will be clean. What? can wash away my sins. Nothing. I wish I could get somebody to tell me nothing right now. Oh God, what can wash away my sin? And I don't know about you, but my sins are many. When I think of the goodness of Jesus and all he's done for me, My soul cries out, hallelujah. Thank God for saving me. Hallelujah. Years ago, when I was just a young man, before I got mad, I was bound on pornography. I was bound by a lot of different things. But thank God for the blood of Jesus that that no longer has a grip over my mind or my heart. Thank God that when I fell, I can just come to him weary, wounded, and sad. But I can find in him a sweet old resting place because he has made me glad. What can wash away your sin? And let me tell you something. Look in the mirror, baby. Look in the mirror, man. Look in the mirror, woman. I don't care how long you've been in church. I don't care who your church is. I don't care what denomination you are. What really matters is it's Jesus, your Lord. Look in the mirror and ask yourself a question. How red am I? I know I might be white. I might be black. I might be Hispanic. I might be Asian. I might be whatever, but how red am I? And let me ask you this again. What can wash away your sins? But nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And as I close and take my seat, Martin Luther King had a dream, and he ended that I have a dream speech. Free at last. Free at last. Thank God Almighty, I'm free at last. The only thing that I need to add to it is 
America can't give me that freedom. The Constitution can't give me that freedom. Nothing can give me that freedom but the blood of Jesus and the word of God. Come on, clap your hands for Jesus.